Welcome to Fifth Wall's Fly on the Wall podcast, where we explore the shifts occurring in real estate, technology, and society that are driving our cities towards a more equitable, green, and tech-enabled future. I'm your host, Brendan Wallace. In today's episode, I sit down with Zillow President Jeremy Waxman to discuss the recent macro trends in housing capital markets, both pandemic-related and otherwise. We cover the digitizing of the home buying and selling process, predictions for the future of iBuying, and Zillow's vision for an always-on, tech-enabled real estate market. Enjoy the conversation. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining. Jeremy, um, you're the president of Zillow, and I'd love to hear kind of what you focus on at Zillow. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, great to do this in our new new world of office and office communication uh, via Zoom. Uh, yeah, I've been at Zillow for uh, about 11 years. Uh, I've done a variety of things. I've uh, spent a ton of time in marketing, building out the marketing team. Um, I started and helped start Zillow Offers uh, a few years back. Uh, I now lead uh, a lot of our customer-facing teams. So um, Zillow Offers, our premier agent business, and our rentals business as well. Wow. And how... Just from your perspective, you're in such a unique position as kind of a, an epicenter of what's happening in housing capital markets. How has your business been affected by COVID? Yeah, I mean, as I'm sure many folks uh, have talked about, you know, COVID has really compressed, you know, years of thought and acceleration and change into months in some cases. And I don't think that's any different for, for real estate. I mean, it, it feels like years ago, but it was only months ago, we were starting to deal with the pandemic and having to deal with all the uncertainty around it and, and now starting to learn how things are going to function. And, and I would say a couple things we've seen, um, you know, one is that real estate ends up being really resilient, um, both as a market and as a necessary uh, market through all this. Um, if you remember back in the early days, we were trying to figure out what shelter meant and shelter in place meant and could real estate even transact, right? And would county offices even be open to record documents? And, um, and you know, what does that do? It accelerates digitization. It accelerates, you know, the digital parts of that process. But now that we're a few months in, we're recognizing, okay, there are ways to do this, right? Many technologies, some in your portfolio, are, are helping trying to further that aim. And customer demand for them and partner demand for them has really come out of the woodwork. So, you know, COVID has helped accelerate and usher in, I think, um, change and desire for change um, into a more safe, more digital world. But it's also on the customer side, it's made everyone rethink what home is. Um, you know, we are seeing kind of unprecedented customer demand on our platform for people thinking about changing their living space. You know, whether that's dreaming about a home office, whether that's I need to move, whether that's I might be working from home permanently and maybe I don't want to live in the city I've been living in. Um, all of those questions are getting asked. Um, by all of us as, as, you know, homeowners, as places, people that live and rent in different places. And so we're seeing that sort of surge of curiosity and question asking in a way that I don't think we ever have before in real estate. That's fascinating. The, the concept of like this mass reevaluation of what does home mean? And I imagine to some extent people are conflating what home traditionally meant and what the office meant. Certainly, I have, this is my home and my office, and I imagine it's the case for you as well. I'm curious from, from that lens, 
are there big macro trends? Like there's kind of intuitive theses that I think a lot of people have like, oh, second home markets are on the rise. Are there interesting trends like that that you're, you're seeing from Zillow's perspective? Yeah, and I think um, we talk a lot about it as, as the great reshuffling. And we use the word reshuffling because it doesn't necessarily mean a flee from urban to suburban or a flee from one place to another. It means a reevaluation, right? So you and I, we're very fortunate. We can do our jobs from Zoom, right? And so reshuffling to us might mean, wow, I need a home office now. We, we have this great mid-century open floor plan with my two kids. We went from needing zero home offices to three right, in the matter of, you know, a weekend where my kids are home on Zoom school and I'm home on Zoom work. So reshuffling for us is maybe a different layout, right? Reshuffling for others might be if they can work remotely part or most of the time, do they still want to live in the same place they want to live? Um, and then for others, it, it may be an affordability change that, that drives, which is not always great news. Um, but, you know, I think the big macro trends are uh, people are re-examining that uh, sort of work, life, and um, location versus amenities and cost trade-off, you know, no matter what their socioeconomic status is. And that, that's the surge that I think we're seeing um, in our demand, right? We're talk, we talk a lot about how our demand is sort of at record levels. But then you also have to uh, correlate that with supplies lower, right? So listings, when there was fears the market might not even be able to function, right? If you're selling, you maybe didn't bring your house on the market. And those are starting to come back, but they're still low relative to a year ago. So you have a lot of demand out there and maybe, like you said, maybe there are some macro trends that will persist here in making people think about transactions differently, but you don't have the supply for it yet either. Um, and so that's why I think what you're seeing, at least in the short term on the economic side, is you're seeing, um, you're seeing transaction volume lower, but you're not seeing prices move um, because you had really great inputs to the real estate market before this in terms of low interest rates and low, low inventory. And you have even lower inventory now and you have even bigger demand. So it's, it's kind of this, you know, seesaw that I think will play out as we hopefully find kind of confidence and normal as we go forward. And do you think we'll see a trend um, around cities, especially kind of what we don't think of today as like the major cities, the major business districts, almost recruiting labor, especially knowledge workers in a way they hadn't before. And the, the reason I asked the question is that it kind of feels like we've been, you know, the, the workforce has been untethered from a location. So Fifth Wall is headquartered in Los Angeles. I'm currently in Park City. Many members of our team are scattered across the country. And so in some ways, you've, you've almost had this explosion in consumer choice where consumers can now choose very deliberately based on cost of living, based on, you know, proximity to relatives, based on other just environmental criteria where they want to be. Do you think we'll start to see cities, especially cities like Salt Lake, honestly, try to court knowledge workers with tax incentives, with just ways to, ways to almost take advantage of, of the scattering of the workforce out of the major cities and into more rural areas? Yeah, I mean, I think within the information tech sector um, and, and the places where we spend our time and work with and recruit people, I think you're going to see that more. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that the cities that are already super popular are not still going to have lots of things to offer. I mean, New York is New York for many reasons, and they've gone through lots of, oh my gosh, the flea of New York, and, and does it happen or not, right? Cities like Seattle and, um, and Salt Lake City, like they have unique offerings and they recruit. But I do think this idea that you can untether an information worker and they can work from anywhere is a trend 
that COVID is absolutely ushering in. I mean, we at Zillow, you know, we announced the rest of this year um, kind of work from anywhere. And we're thinking about what is work from anywhere and what is a hybrid and a remote workforce look like going forward. And so that means, you know, if folks don't want to live in Seattle, you know, maybe they don't have to. Um, and so, you know, we're still in the early days of this, but I think for that segment of folks, that's definitely true. Now, the reality is, you know, most of these metro economies are driven by lots of segments of our workforce, not just that one. Uh, but that one has driven a lot of our of our coastal um, workforce. And I'm curious also, if, if we're to look at virtualization of the whole home buying process, I kind of think of Zillow today, you've, you've virtualized many aspects of discovering, right? <laughs> discovering a new home, yeah. getting in contact with a broker. Um, and th the next element has been this kind of open question around virtual viewings. Are, are virtual viewings going to become a thing? What are your views on that? Do you see the technology as being ready to enable truly virtual viewings? And what does the impact, what's the long-term impact of that on the brokerage industry? Yeah, it's a great question. And to back up a sec, right? So Zillow's first decade plus was really, as you said, helping pioneer and bring we talk a lot in verbs, uh, the search and find experience online, right? That that typically was data that was not available on the internet. And if you wanted to see listings or see more information about listings, you had to go to an office or look in a book, right? And so democratizing all the data and helping buyers and sellers be able to discover more and search more and find their place. But the transaction itself was still is still largely offline, right? And so a, a few years ago with the launch of Zillow Offers, with our move down the transaction funnel to help really complete the buy, finance, and sell part of things, we started working on digitizing the entire transaction, right? So that a, a home buyer, a home seller could come to Zillow and actually sell their house to us in some cases or with us, buy a house with one of our partners on our platform, right? And make that move more seamless. And I think the pandemic has accelerated a lot of the desire for a lot of those technologies, which I think take a lot of multi-party transactions to come together to move. Um, on the transaction piece. So I think you're right. I think the digitization of the shopping part of it is being accelerated. And we're seeing things like 3D tours and virtual tours really rise. I mean, they spiked like crazy when there were cities that literally said, you can't go see a house. And even now, what are the proper social distancing measures? Um, and so, and what happens with any customer benefit technology is once customers get a taste of it, you know, that expectation bar rises, right? Now that you can use a great, 3D tour of a home, or you can virtually tour a home with someone else walking you through it, you go, well, why can't I do that on every home? And you start to want that, and that becomes this customer expectation. So I, I think you're going to see that happen, as you said, in kind of the shopping part of our industry, but you're also going to see it happen in the transaction part of our industry, um, where do I need to be in person to notarize, get a document notarized? Do I need to be in person to sign a document? You know, Do I need to coordinate with all these parties? Like, What can be done via my smartphone that doesn't have to be done in person? So I think you're going to see those technology trends continue and the pandemic has rushed them, I think, in their adoption forward, but I don't think it's going to regress. I think once people get a taste of that, they're going to want more of that. And, and I'm curious, when you look at the, all the components of closing a home, all these ancillary financial products that you know, people have to buy, whether it's title insurance or home insurance, or in many cases, obviously getting a mortgage or a second mortgage, like what are the most problematic? Meaning... Today, most of those services, I think we can agree, largely happen offline, and there's a lot of inefficiencies kind of from that. What do you think will be the last to move online, and will be the hardest? Yeah, <clears throat> it's hard to think about the order, 
what we have realized, and I think what you're seeing us really trying to do with Zillow offers is to solve the customer problem, um, you know, to get to one click close or a fully digital transaction, you know, it's not a transaction, it's a move, right? Most people are selling a place, buying a place and having to finance it and then coordinate all of the services and the transactions across both of those things. And it's not one click, it's not better if the entire transaction isn't integrated. So, you know, if you just get the notary remotely done, or if you just get the digital signatures versus having to wet sign by itself, that doesn't help, right? You as, a, as the mover still have to coordinate with dozens of parties across a whole bunch of documentation and process. So our goal is to try and integrate the whole thing so that ideally a mover can come and sell or buy or finance across whatever move they want to make and the whole thing can be integrated in one place. So, you know, to your question, I'm not sure what comes last, but I, I do think to really enable and unlock that customer benefit, you have to kind of wrap the whole thing. That's part of why iBuying and, and Zillow offers the appeal of, of to the customer. It's all about skipping the hassle, right? I mean, it, it's, it launched into one of the hottest real estate markets we'd seen. And one of the questions always around iBuying was, well, you know, our customers going to demand this. And we were sitting there saying, well, there are these white hot markets where you could raise your hand and sell your house. And we're still seeing incredible demand. And it's because the hassle of that transaction is so painful for people. You know, we talked to customers and two third, I think a third of customers say they cried at some point in the selling process. And they think it's more stressful than, you know, getting married or, um, you know, sending their kid to college or planning a wedding, right? It's like the most stressful thing you'll do. So it is in the process and in the mess and in the hassle. And all of that is happening in the space you live in, right? And so I do think you have to wrap the whole thing to actually get to the customer benefit. Um, you know, and I do think you need all the parties to come online. So that's why I think we're so excited about the digitization, I would say tailwind we're getting with all this. It's also why we're so focused on you know, really having Zillow offers be the sort of reference standard of what that could be, right? You, know, you can just wipe your hands and we'll do it for you. And you can go work with one of our partner agents to buy what's next. And that starts to at least fix one part of this multi-party transaction. Is it fair to say that, you know, the, the iBuying model and, and Zillow offers in particular, you really couldn't do it without um, all of the digital tools that we have in place today? Because the reason I ask the question is that when it, it always seems odd to me that the largest capital market in the United States, the housing market, is by and large a peer-to-peer -peer market, right? Every end user is selling to another end user. And as a result, there's all this counterparty risk around whether a transaction actually closes. And as you said, there's these additional variables of, I need to sell a home in order to release the equity to put it in my new home. And so the, the seller or the buyer is put in this really difficult position of having no certainty. Um, and so the way I always thought about, you know, iBuying was, it just makes sense that transactions should not be just B2C, which in the residential space has largely been home builder to home buyer, right? So you're building a new product and you're selling it directly from Lennar or DR Horton to the home buyer. But it'd actually be a consumer to business transaction, which feels like Zillow offers and Open Door. Um, how do you see the future of iBuying kind of framed like that in the context of a, of a post COVID world? Do you see this as a tailwind for it? Yeah, we really do. And I, and I think you, <clears throat> you said it well. We use the term market making a lot around Zillow offers because I think you're right. When people uh, show up and they learn what this is, because it's still a 
very, very new service, and most people don't understand what it is. Um, the idea that we're trying to help what is typically this arm's length peer-to-peer -peer transaction, where you said it well, there's this a ton of multi-party risk and then cost in de-risking each side, and it's a very illiquid market, right? Um, if you could have a more liquid market where buyers and sellers could do price discovery and have no risk of coming together, you know, that's what Zillow offers is about. It's about becoming that market maker so that a seller can basically bridge space and time to find the right buyer and having the institution sort of de-risk that for them. Um, and, and that's why the benefits of certainty and hassle avoidance were so strong, you know, even when today at a subscale business, it's, it's, a, it's a convenience charge, right? You pay a little more than you do traditionally to do it, and you're happy to do that because it's so valuable to you to not have that risk. Um, and, and do you think in a COVID world- I'm curious, do you think that's accelerated today? Meaning the premium placed on certainty is higher today than ever before? Yeah, what I was gonna say was like certainty and hassle avoidance don't go away, and now you add safety. Mm -hmm. Now you add, well, I want to move, you want to move out of your house and you could list traditionally have a bunch of people traipse through your house, spend weeks, you know, keeping it clean, or you could have one person come into your house once and go sell it for you and you can move on. You know, that's an additional, very strong customer benefit on top of these customer benefits that are already there. Um, so yes, we, we, we think in many ways, and again, it's super early to know how things are going to behave in a post COVID world. And you know, it's super early for the markets at large to figure out what's happening in COVID. But, you know, real estate transactions are going to happen. That much I think we figured out. And having a market making function and a safe one on top of a, of a hassle, you know, avoidance and certainty one um, sure feels like a, a net benefit today than it was even six months ago. And, and one of the interesting things also is, you know, in the last housing crisis, there was this opportunity that I think a lot of hedge funds and obviously Blackstone with Invitation Homes recognized, which was that if you could programmatically at scale acquire homes, there was a really interesting financial opportunity in terms of yield. And at the same time, that was probably a really good thing for the economy because it provided some buoyancy to the housing market. Do you think that, um, I guess there is the vision for Zillow offers that one, it can be a consumer to business transaction selling a home and then ultimately a business to consumer transaction selling that home to another end user. But can it also be a B2B transaction? Meaning, do you envision that some of the homes you'd acquire, you would actually sell to short-term or um, uh, single-family rental companies? Would that be part of the, the mandate for it? I mean, in a market-making transaction, you want to mark, match all buyers and seller parties, right? So the goal is to increase liquidity, and you want many, many consumer buyers, to your point, but you're also going to have B2B players in that space. So ultimately, yes. Um, the reality is that today we're still sitting on far fewer transactions than demand says. I mean, one of the most fascinating things we've found over the last couple of years is, you know, we survey tens of thousands of customers a month to try and get a signal of just real estate activity. And the number of people that show serious intent or say they want and need to move is in the, you know, 50 plus million range. And the number of house transactions happens in the five to six million range. And so that you know, pent up demand in people is, you know, wiped out by the hassle, the cost, the friction, the uncertainty, and the time it takes to do this. So if a market making function can come in and remove the uncertainty, to your point, hopefully remove cost and increase certainty, the transaction desire is there, right? The demand is there. So more moves will happen, more inventory should shake loose 
from all parts of the ecosystem, um, which will not just sort of satisfy the parties that are out there today, but it also will hopefully create more opportunities for, for you know, moves and transaction participation to happen. So in the long term, yes. Um, but today, it's obviously limited to where we all are in markets and, and the types of homes we're buying. And just thinking about those markets, it seems obvious to me that in a market where you have fairly standardized homes, right, and there's a lot of transactions, it's relatively easy to approximate a price, right, within a few percentages of standard deviation. Like, you can know what a price is. But when you think about markets like New York or, or Los Angeles, where you have really idiosyncratic homes of very different vintages and very different materials and aesthetics. Do you think that we'll see iBuying in the future in markets like that? I think you'll see the role of a market maker trying to um, value homes quickly and bridge space and time for sure. Will it look like iBuying as it currently exists? I think it'll have to look slightly different because to your point, dis price discovery and pricing efficiency is gonna be a lot harder in those eight, uh, idiosyncratic homes. You know, the good news is, you know, the, the sort of buy box that we all are kind of looking at today is around half the country today. So you can get to quite a bit of the housing stock of the country and work, you know, work to drive even more liquidity into those markets in a very large swath today. But I think you'll see probably flavors of how iBuying works with maybe different capital risk or different, you know, customer benefits for the super idiosyncratic home. Um, the underlying idea of you want to trade in, you need to bridge your sell and your buy and your finance and can we package all that together? And whether it's a bridge loan across those two transactions or an institution getting involved to help you discover price, I, I think that can apply to any asset. But what's so powerful about iBuying is it's the you know walk away, hassle, avoided, certainty, and trying to figure out how to offer that on these super idiosyncratic homes is, is something that we look forward to having that to the ability to solve that problem because it means you know, we've scaled this business to orders of magnitude larger than it is now. And, and when you think about, you know, housing market shocks and housing market adjustments, do you think that, say, a, a really robust, national, well-functioning, eye-buying ecosystem, that, that it exists in many markets, do you think that has the effect of dampening the severity of housing crises? And the, and the reason I ask the question is that the point you just brought up, which is there's X number of home transactions that occur every year, but you know that the intent to sell a home is much higher, yep. right? So if there's a higher velocity of transactions, you, you'd think things adjust pricing-wise faster, right? There's just more liquidity in the market. Yep. Do you think that will be the long-term effect of it? Yeah, I mean, this is me speaking my hopes and desires, not economic research yet, but yes. I mean, I, I fail to think about a market where uh, less friction, more transparency, uh, doesn't add to liquidity, right? Almost every other market where you've made it easier to transact and made it easier for parties to come together, you've seen more liquidity. And so you add that data point to the idea that there's the demand there. And you would think that happens. That is definitely our hope. Um, and I think we'll find out, you know, over the next couple of years as we're able to scale this and see what happens in markets where we're able to, to really help reduce the friction and reduce the uncertainty. And looking, say, 10 years out, um, what percent do you think of U.S. home sales will be iBuying? I'm actually really curious to get your view. And that's not my only question. That's one part of the question. The second part of the sure. question is, what is the typical experience of buying a home like, and how is it different from today? Looking out, say, to 2030. Yeah, and maybe those two questions are somewhat linked because, you know, my answer to what percentage is, is far greater than it is today. And I can't tell you what double-digit percentage it'll be, but it'll be 
um, a large chunk of transactions. And the reason is the second part of your question. Um, the process today stinks. It's painful. I mean, again, we, we, when we talk to customers, um, they have to, and this is just the sell side, right? They have to coordinate trying to value and figure out the equity they're going to get out of their house and take a risk and a flyer on listing it and will they get their price while simultaneously having to figure out the house and go find the house they want to buy and figure out how much to offer on it. Will they win? Then they have to come up with financing and get approved for financing. They have to coordinate all the moves. They're paying probably 10% of their asset value in transaction costs across all that. They have to do all that. And this is where most of their net worth is. And so that just freaks everyone out so badly that they, they don't, or when they do, it's like stars crossing because they needed to do it and they found the right thing and they found the right person to help guide them along the journey and it all just came together. And that's your 5 million homes, right? Against your 50 to 100 million people that sort of want to do that. So, you know, the idea that, you know, we hear from customers all the time, um, I couldn't believe how easy it was, right? And thank you so much for taking the, you know, the hassle away or taking the uncertainty away, like knowing what I'm going to get for my, for my trade-in if I'm buying a new home is so powerful and empowering to me because now I can go get my financing lined up. I can shop on my own time frame. You know, that, that unlock is happening today. And that's just with sort of V1 of Zillow offers. Um, so that's why I think the, the percentage of the market goes way, way up if, if we can offer this to more and more people. Um, and your, your second part of your question is sort of what does it look like in, you know, however many years, <clears throat> I think you play that digitization and that one click out. You know, you can imagine a world where all of the parts of your transaction are integrated. And so, you know, the, the idea of you're basically moving your equity from your old house to your new house and you're coordinating all the risk between the person you're buying from and the person you're selling to, and that can all just be packaged up as one thing. So you pick the time, you pick the day in which you want to move, right? You trade your house into to an iBuyer. Maybe you're buying your house from the iBuyer as well. And you're just doing one close and the financing's pre-approved and guaranteed. Like the same certainty and hassle avoidance can come to the whole transaction, right? I mean, imagine a world where like, let's just take that theoretical buyer. Let's say you're trading in from to us and buying from us. You know, we can underwrite you the loan. We know the equity value of your house. We don't have to do all the de-risking appraisal, double title insurance. We, we are, we're the ones trading your home in for you. Um, and so you can imagine it just being kind of as easy as buying something on Amazon. Um, but you have to get all the pieces lined up into the stack to make that happen. Uh, and I think that will take, you know, quite a long time, just given, as you said, a lot of the regulations and needs, rightly so, to provide insurance for what is typically a peer-to-peer -peer transaction. Yeah, it's a super interesting point. And I think, you know, when, when I bought a home, when I bought this home, I remember looking at my closing statement and, you know, asking my broker, well, what's this? What's this? And there's all this stuff, right, that you end up having to pay for. And part of why that's the case is there's just, it's a very opaque market. You, you don't know what some of these financial products are. I think many home buyers learn about what title insurance is when they have to buy a home and they're like, what is this fee on my closing statement? I would think that that future you painted of more transparency, more liquidity leads to more competitive pressure on those ancillary financial products to almost reduce the cost to the customer. So that 10% friction you were describing, you could probably cut that in half. Is that part of the vision as well? Absolutely. So we, we talk a lot about, <clears throat> you know, today we run Zillow offers that kind of break even on the unit level. Uh, and that's to help forward invest to a place where, you know, at scale, 
there is both margin in the business, but also savings for the customer. And that comes ac all across that, that stack you outlined of, of transaction costs you have. And it's, it's not just competitive pressure. It's also, it's lower risk, right? So take the example of how much money you spend insuring the asset for the bank that ultimately holds the loan, right? There's title insurance to ensure titles clear. There's an appraisal, uh, there's an inspection, typically on both sides, right, that's done. So all of this is money that's needed to be spent because like you said, it's super opaque and ultimately someone's gonna own the asset for a long period of time and they gotta make sure it's, it's, it's worth it and it clears. Well, you could reduce a lot of the need for that if you have an institution that can market clear the transaction. So it's not just that there's gonna be this competitive pressure on the services, it's actually, you might need less of the services. Yeah. I mean, uh, take, take, uh, take, yeah, I was just gonna end with like, take, uh, and another analogy we use a lot is kind of the concept of a certified pre-owned car, right? Like right. you get, you brought up Lennar, Lennar's selling you a, a, you know, a new home, they can guarantee the work and they can provide you a warranty and they can stand behind it. And peer-to-peer -peer transactions don't have that, but you can imagine sometime in the future when an iBuyer transaction or a non-owner occupied home that's been cleared could provide that same certainty, right? We've bought the home, we've done our own inspection, we've done our own work that we'll certified stand behind. So why can't we offer you a certified pre-owned home could come with its own Apple Care, right? It could come with its own network we're already using to provide those services if you actually need something, right? It could also come with the ability to configure it custom, right? Because just like when you're buying from Lennar, you could buy from us and actually get those changes made before you move in. So again, that's all about de-risking the home you're buying. And then it could actually be a value-added benefit to the customer. The other thing, the other, I think, almost added benefit of that is that, you know, to the extent you're repricing homes and you're transparently aware of the, the changes in the value of your own home, the process of refinancing can dramatically change, which is a huge yeah. way to unlock consumer wealth, especially in a time like we're in right now. Like I think about the process of refinancing this, this house, right? When rates are lower and they're lower today, it's, it's like committing to rolling up your sleeves and going <laughs> through a full process. But yeah. If you think about it, it's almost like, you know, um, leverage on a stock, right? If the stock price is moving, you should be able to basically click to refinance. And do you think that will have downstream implications on, you know, the, the, the mortgage capital markets and these agency-backed loans? Because the speed of refinancing could accelerate dramatically, both because of iBind, but also because of more price transparency, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, your same logic applies. Any, anytime you can provide a little bit more certainty and make price discovery and transaction risk a little less opaque, you could hopefully reduce the friction. You know, obviously one of the big challenges in the mortgage market is at the end of the day, you know, those are GSE backed. And so there's a lot of parties holding the asset value that need to re, re you know, reprice, but yes. And I think hopefully things like COVID actually help there because the ability to do things from your desktop or the ability to do things virtually without setting foot back in the house or walking into a, a place to resign or you rolled your sleeve up to give blood hopefully there are classes of homes and classes of buyers and refinancers where all of a sudden that becomes a little more interesting to try and get done um, obviously that that part of the process i think is going to be the hardest but but i think you're right it's it should allow um homeowners and and home sellers both to think about it as a little bit more liquidity and a little bit less friction absolutely well jeremy this has been so interesting to get kind of your vision of the future of housing capital markets and Zillow and Zillow offers role in that. So thanks so much for chatting. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fly on the Wall. All of these episodes and more are available on our YouTube channel. 
To learn more about Fifth Wall, visit our website at www.fifthwall.com.